MechCast, Sunday, November 27th, 2022. Hey, Mech Geeks, it's time for your MechCast, the show for Mech Geeks by Mech Geeks. I'm Adam, and this is the show where we discuss all things Macintosh. How you doing? Welcome back to the MacCast. Glad to be back here with you for another week of all the hints, tips, news, information, going-ons in the Apple and Mac community. Hopefully you are having a wonderful day. Things are going well. Things are looking pretty good here over at MacCast HQ. We're getting ready for the holidays. Did a little holiday decorating over the past weekend. Maybe that's something you do or maybe not, but uh, that's what I was up to this past week, along with, of course, going over all of uh, what's been going on with uh, Apple News. And we do have quite a bit to get into. We're going to talk a little bit about rumors around the next iPhone. Yep, we have the one that we have now. And of course, it's time to talk about the new one. We're going to get into some of the Apple TV, Apple Sports stuff. There were some interesting stories happening this week. Some may be true, some maybe not so true. We'll get into what all that means. Going to talk about AirPods Pro and uh, audio codecs a little bit. Get into a uh, potential new Apple Pencil again. Some strange rumors this week, and we'll talk about uh, what we think might be true and what might not be so true. But that'll kind of round out the news for this week. And then we're going to get into some Mac OS tips. I had some great tips that I ran across this week that I wanted to share with you. We also have some from uh, some of our listeners. We're going to talk about HomePods and HomePod repair. We're going to get into some more of your gift ideas and gift suggestions for the holidays. And then I have a little bit of an unusual thing about the moment uh, this week, and it ties into something we've already talked about. So that will round out this episode of the MacCast. So it should be a good one. I say we jump right in and uh, let's talk a little bit about iPhone. There's a new rumor that came out this week from a previously accurate Twitter leaker uh, at Shrimp Apple Pro. So this Twitter user has leaked some Apple information in the past that's turned out to be true. And this time around, they're talking about what the next generation iPhone, the iPhone 15, might look like. They're saying we're going to get a little bit of a redesign, at least on the back case and maybe with the materials. The back case, they're saying, is going to have more rounded edges than the current squared off design of the iPhone 14 models. As far as what the rounding will look like, you could think more like the bottom profile of the current M2 MacBook Pros, the 14-inch and 16-inch models, or if you want to harken all the way back to the iPhone 5C, remember those colorful iPhones? Yeah, it basically will look like the back of that, although he does say it's not going to be in plastic like the iPhone 5C, but rather Apple will use titanium for the chassis in this year's upcoming iPhone, or I guess next year's technically iPhone, though the design, he says, will still use a back glass. So we're not going to be returning to an all-metal-backed design. It will still have the back glass, just kind of those curved edges. So it'll be interesting to see if they do that. Is that going to be curved in terms of the titanium, or are they going to actually curve the glass a little bit because we've seen them do that i don't know if they can do that extreme of a of a bend though so we'll have to wait and see uh, we do know from other rumors and patent filings that apple has always been interested in titanium as a possible material uh for various devices and we've seen them use it in the past think apple watch or maybe your Apple card that's in your pocket right now. Or if you're like me and have been around as long as I have in this community, you may remember the titanium MacBook Pro. Yeah, Apple has made a titanium Mac MacBook Pro. Go back and look it up if you don't know your Apple history. Um, and titanium is a great material because in terms of, you know, strength and rigidity, uh, it would be great to use for that. It has awesome scratch resistance so it makes it very appealing um, but a lot of those properties also make it very challenging for apple one thing they often have trouble with is getting a glossy surface basically you have to kind of grind grind that thing down and etch it and 
get a way to kind of get a glossy finish on it. And Apple likes those glossy finishes, as you know, from the current iPhone models. We've got that mirror-like finish on the outside. They have developed supposedly technology to be able to do that. Again, we've seen this from patent filings. They've also experimented with uh, different kinds of thin oxide surface coatings. So we could go with some some sort of finish or some sort of colors on them. And uh, those coatings also help keep away fingerprints and add to those oleophobic properties of the device. So could have a new redesign of the iPhone or a slight tweak design of the iPhone, I guess, returning to some of the old design cues. Apple likes to mix and match those over the years, and that might be happening with the iPhone 15. We talked a little bit, I think, on the last episode, too, about uh, supply chain and what's going to be happening here for the holidays with Apple products, specifically around those iPhone 14 Pro models, the 14 Pro and the 14 Pro Max. We know that Apple has already sort of sold out of their inventory and they're already back ordered past Christmas. So you're not going to be able to get one from Apple in time for the holidays. But uh, one place you might have tried to go would be the big box stores. Well, it turns out this week, Best Buy CEO mentioned in a media call that they are also seeing inventory pressure on the higher end iPhone models. So you might be quickly running out of time to get it from your local big box as well. So if you're hoping to get a new uh, iPhone under the tree for Christmas, uh, you better move quickly. Uh, A lot of the issues are being exacerbated by what's happening over at the Foxconn factory in China. If you haven't heard, they've been having riots and fights over missed bonus payments and COVID lockdown policies. Yeah, it's not pretty over there. Apple has been working with Foxconn to try and resolve the bonus payment issues, and Foxconn already made a statement saying that the missed payments were a technical error and that they would be honoring them. But still, Reuters reported this week that approximately 20,000 employees have already left the factory, which could result in up to a 30% loss in production capacity. So yeah, iPhones are going to be hard to come by for a, a little while here, at least the pro models that are coming out of that Foxconn factory. So just something to be aware of. Apple does have a list of all the order by dates for all of their products in their holiday gift guide. I'll link to that in the show notes at maccast.com. It's up on their site. Most products do you do still have until about December 21st to be able to order and still get them in time for the holidays. But there's other products like AirTags and AirPods, the third generation, that uh, you might need to order a little bit sooner. They're running out in early December, or they have early December order times or early or late October in order to get them in time for the holidays. So just plan ahead out there, folks. Don't, uh, don't wait till the last minute. You don't want to be in that crunch. And there is more support to the rumor from last week that the iPhone 15 models could have solid state buttons for their side and volume buttons uh, rather than physical clicky buttons. You may remember us talking about this on the previous episode of the MacCast. In a shareholder letter, Apple supplier Cirrus Logic said they expect to bring new high-performance mixed signal chips to market in a smartphone for a quote-unquote strategic partner. So they didn't call out Apple specifically, but uh, Cirrus's HPMS components are used for the Taptic Engine on iPhones. And so, uh, you know, it would make sense that that's what Apple would use if they are going to solid-state buttons. And then their CEO said in a call that the new component would be coming to market toward the back half of next year, which would line up, of course, with the release of the iPhone. And the original rumor around all of this that came from Bing-Chi Kuo about the buttons, he had said that Apple would use two additional Taptic engines to provide the haptic feedback for those solid-state buttons. So it's all kind of lining up, looking like uh, that could be a possibility. And, of course, the advantage of going to solid-state is Apple's going to have better seals on there, more water resistance, uh, you know, Apple moving away from any sort of places where you can get additional intrusion. So it should make things likely a little bit more reliable, less components to break, hopefully. Although I guess the Taptic engines could just just as easily break, but uh, no more physical buttons to, to break. 
So that's kind of the latest that is going on or what we expect coming with the next generation of the iPhone. Apple still wants to get in on the Sunday ticket with the NFL. Apple is trying to hard, apparently, to get a deal done for the NFL's Sunday ticket streaming service. There's a new report from The Atlantic this week that says one of the sticking points right now, though, is Apple wants, quote-unquote, rights to the unknown. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, it means they, they're not just looking for streaming rights because the deal would potentially be a long-term deal. But they are looking for the rights to broadcast or distribute on technology or with delivery systems that have not been invented yet. And you might think, what does that mean? Speculation is that uh, Apple is thinking about potential future AR and VR stuff. We know Apple is allegedly working on an AR VR headset and that they're looking at that as the next replacement for the iPhone and uh, Apple did acquire a company you may remember back a while ago called Next VR that was specifically focused on virtual reality for sports and entertainment. So it would make sense that if Apple's going to get involved in a, a very expensive multi-year deal with the NFL that they're going to want some other kind of rights outside of traditional broadcasting. There apparently also seems to be a big haggle over that price. Uh, the NFL reportedly wants $3.5 billion a year for that contract, which is almost double what their current provider, DirecTV, has been paying. So it's a huge price increase. And Apple also has a few other things that they want. They would want or really do want international streaming rights. Uh, so just like they've done with some of their other services, like the MLS, you know, Major League Soccer Service, they want to be able to offer it in multiple countries, not just inside the U.S. And that's not something that the NFL seems to be able to or is willing to maybe give up. Uh, doesn't seem to be on the table, at least at the uh, currently. And Another sticking point, apparently, for Apple moving forward is that they would not be able to get exclusivity for local market games due to existing cable deals and blackouts. So Apple, you know, again, just like with uh, Major League Soccer, they don't have those blackouts. And that is a super annoying thing. And I think they'd want to do something a little bit different, right? They want to think about it a little bit differently. Uh, again, the NFL's hands are probably tied in that area because, again, they have existing contracts and partnerships and things like that. So don't know how they're going to get past that. And then finally, I think overall, you really need to question for Apple, is the deal worth it with that price point? As the... Atlantic or athletic rather piece points out Apple would need roughly about 8.75 million subscribers to the NFL Sunday ticket package, which is about $400 per season just to cover the cost of the licensing per year. And as far as anybody knows, direct TV supposedly has just about 1 million Sunday ticket subscribers. So they come up way short, uh, almost nine times they need nine times as many subscribers that's likely not going to happen so apple would really be paying a lot for the privilege of having nfl football on their service and the piece also notes that google is also currently a strong possibility for the service so there is uh there is a fight going on I think maybe they should just let Google have this one. I'm not really sure it's worth it. I know sports are a big deal to a lot of people. It could bring a lot of eyeballs and maybe possibly generate more Apple TV Plus subscriptions, but really how many more? And would it be worth it? What do you think? I mean, I think it feels really pricey. I originally had thought it would be a good deal for Apple, but it's sounding less and less like it would be. So just my thoughts, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one. Should Apple continue to pursue NFL Sunday ticket, or is it time to let this one go? The saying holds true, don't believe what you read in the tabloids, even the British ones. The Daily Star has claimed that Apple, and via proxy, I guess, Tim Cook, have been considering paying $6.9 billion for the Premier League football team Manchester United. 
Apparently, the current owners put the team up for sale at a price of $9.9 billion, but uh, they said they'd entertain the highest bidder. And I would imagine if Apple did offer $6.9 billion, they probably would take him up on it. The report claimed that Apple was interested in the opportunities of owning a Premier League football club and looking at what that might offer. And they also said that Tim Cook could potentially fund a brand new stadium for the club. The whole story seems like a ripoff of the playbook from Ryan Reynolds and Robert McElhaney, who purchased the UK football club Wrexham AFC in 2021. If you're not aware of that story, I encourage you to watch Welcome to Wrexham on Hulu. It's really, really excellent and a lot of fun. But basically, those two bought a football club and have been uh, doing things like renovating the old stadium. So I think this was just, you know, Again, cribbed from that story. And don't worry, this is not some sort of Apple Ted Lasso fever dream gone wrong. Mac Rumors did some real checking into the story. And according to a source familiar with the matter, Apple is not buying a football club. So we don't have to worry about this one. In other Apple entertainment news, uh, there's a story saying Apple is looking to secure the film rights for a new book on Sam Bankman Freed and his crypto company FTX. This is according to Deadline. You might know recently that FTX filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy and there have been allegations of fraud and mishandled customer funds. FTX is a cryptocurrency company or was. There is a new book coming out from Michael Lewis, who was apparently embedded with Bankman Freed for about the past six months. And Lewis, if you recognize his name, is the author of other books who were that were successfully turned into feature films like Moneyball, The Blind Side, and The Big Short. All excellent films. The Big Short is one of my favorites. I've watched it several, several times, all about the... Uh, housing crisis in 2008 and what went on behind that uh, great movie if you haven't seen it deadline says that apple may have beat out others like amazon and netflix for the new ftx film and that they are very quote unquote close to a deal which is estimated to be in the mid seven figure range so should apple pick that one up uh, hopefully we'll see that on apple tv plus uh probably in the next year or two and then finally, if you have an Apple TV Plus subscription, you may have noticed something interesting going on over the past couple months. I think this started back in September. You remember that one of the focuses of Apple TV Plus was all on original content, and there was a lot of speculation and thoughts about, does Apple need to get some back catalog content on their service to compete with services like Netflix or Amazon Prime? Well, Apple has been running limited-run back catalog films. These seem to be tie-ins with actors and directors who are featured in some of Apple TV Plus's original films and shows. Uh, back in September, when the Sidney Portier documentary came out on Apple TV Plus, they released some of his classic films for a while. More recently, we saw the Hunger Games films show up on Apple TV Plus with Jennifer, when Jennifer Lawrence's new film, Causeway hit Apple TV Plus, and now we have some Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell movies like Semi Pro, Old School, and Van Wilder. Uh, this is because their holiday special, Spirited, recently launched on Apple TV Plus. Just an aside, I watched Spirited. I was super excited to see that film come to Apple TV Plus. It is a musical starring Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. It's kind of a little spin on. Uh, Charles Dickens and uh, Scrooge, or Scrooge, <laughs> Scrooge, Scrooge is the, uh, the Bill Murray film, also a great film, but uh, anyway, the Ryan Reynolds, Will Ferrell, when Spirited came out, and I was really looking forward to it, have to say, ended up being a little bit disappointed, one of the first times I've been disappointed by a film on Apple TV+, Plus. It's not that it was bad, it just wasn't that entertaining, and I think they could have done a lot more with it. It had some funny moments, so probably worth giving a watch, but uh, I wouldn't go in with too high expectations. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's what happened to me, but there you have it, some of the latest Apple TV Plus and entertainment news. 
Before the release of the AirPods Pro 2, one hope for many folks was that Apple might add support for their Apple Music lossless audio. There were rumors to the fact that Apple had been exploring some of their own wireless connectivity standards and codecs so that they could actually make that technology work. We now know that didn't happen, but we also know something else. Apple is generally happy with Bluetooth and the existing audio codecs, at least according to an engineer on Apple's acoustic team. Sage Anderson gave an interview to What Hi-Fi, and they asked if Apple had felt restricted by the current Bluetooth technology and the current codec standards. Anderson stayed true to Apple's don't give away secrets policy, so there was no comment on whether or not Apple was actually working on something new, but he did say that he felt that the current technology satisfies what Apple is looking for in terms of pushing audio quality uh, balanced with wireless reliability. He said that Apple can still move forward producing better quality audio without the need for basically a new codec. Now, there is little doubt that AirPods Pro 2 quality is excellent. And in fact, we also heard this week about a study that says in some instances, it can be as good as a high quality hearing aid. The Wall Street Journal reported on a study in the journal iScience that showed that Apple's AirPods Pro helped adults with mid to moderate hearing loss hear speech nearly as well as two prescription hearing aids. The report does point out that Apple's AirPods actually lack any FDA standards for hearing aids, but they can still help if you're having trouble hearing in some situations. The study noted, quote, in a sound and clarity test used to evaluate performance of some hearing assistance, the AirPods Pro met established standards in four out of five categories, while AirPods 2 met standards in two. A big area where the AirPods fell short, though, versus the more expensive dedicated hearing aids was in battery life. Also, for some hearing features like active listening, the AirPods do need a connection to an iPhone, and they actually use the iPhone instead of the hearing aid microphones, you know, instead of the, excuse me, mics in the AirPods themselves, unlike traditional hearing aids. So they're definitely not a medical replacement for hearing aids, but does prove that the sound quality is quite excellent and can really help in a pinch. And then finally in the news for this week, a leak and a rumor out of the Chinese site Weibo from an unproven source. So we'll take this one with a large grain of salt. I still find it interesting, though. There was a claim that Apple had a new version of the Apple Pencil codenamed Marker and that they were set to release it along with the announcement of the iPhone 14s. What's interesting about this pencil is that it was not pressure sensitive, nor did it have a battery at all. Apparently it used technology similar to Samsung's S Pen stylus, where the stylus would actually get power through the screen of the device itself. The interesting thing about that is that this design would have seemed to be perfect to be paired with the new entry-level iPad since it wouldn't require charging and you wouldn't have to go with the first-gen Apple Pencil like we have now where you have to have a dongle, you have to do this weird thing of plugging it into the USB-C connector, right? It's all a little bit odd. And the other interesting thing about this pencil was supposedly it would have also have worked with the iPhone. Don't know if we really want or need a stylus with the iPhone. Steve Jobs would uh, argue very much you don't because you have 10 on your person at all times, 10 styli. But supposedly Tim Sapple might have been thinking that you should have a pencil that worked with your iPhone. And it gets even weirder in this story because the report claims that Apple already made 1 million of the devices. So it's really unclear why they wouldn't have just released it or why it was scrapped at the last moment if it ever existed, which I kind of doubt at this point. But yeah, what do you think? Do we do we need a pencil for our iPhone? Is it time? I know a lot of people like to take notes on their devices. I certainly like a pencil with my iPad, but uh, I don't know if I'd ever really use one with my phone, even if it was possible. Just too small of a screen. I guess maybe if we get to those foldable iPhones we've been hearing about, we get a larger display. Might make more sense then. But 
Love to get your thoughts and opinions on it. Shoot me some feedback. Send me an audio comment, maccast at gmail.com. And with that, that is going to do it for the news for this week. Before we move on, I do want to take a quick moment and thank a couple show sponsors, starting with Rocket Money. Hey, are you wasting money on subscriptions? 80% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Maybe for you, it's an unused Amazon Prime account or a Hulu account that never gets streamed. There is this great app that you can use that helps track all of your expenses, and with it, you'll no longer waste money on subscriptions you don't even use. You might have heard of it. It's called Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill. The app shows all your subscriptions in one place and then cancels for you whatever you don't want. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for, even find out if you've been double-charged for a subscription. To cancel a subscription, all you have to do is press cancel and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Get rid of useless subscriptions with Rocket Money now. Go to rocketmoney.com slash maccast. Seriously, it could save you hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash maccast. Cancel your unnecessary subscriptions right now at rocketmoney.com slash maccast. And a big thank you to Rocket Money for their support of the show. I'd also like to thank my show sponsor, Upside. You know, inflation has all of us thinking about different ways to cut back. In fact, I feel like I sort of took that to the extreme because one of the reasons we moved recently was so that we could afford things in life and reduce a lot of our high cost bills. We're also trying not to eat out as much and spending more family time at home doing things like board games rather than going out on vacations and those sorts of things. And while all this is nice for saving some money, I think we can agree whether it's driving less, dining out less, buying less from the grocery store, there's not much fun about less. And that's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. And I think that's most of us, right? With Upside, I don't have to cut back because I get cash back on every purchase. I'm using it for my gas and grocery purchases and earning more cash back than I'd get from my card programs. The cashback is also a nice way to not have as many cutbacks. I don't feel as guilty about grabbing a coffee in the morning or maybe that occasional dinner out. I also love the fact that I can transfer my earnings right into my bank account or better yet, into an Apple gift card that I can use for my Apple purchases so I can offset some of the costs there. To get started, just download the free Upside app, use my promo code MACCAST, and you'll get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Once you have the app, you can claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. You just check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit card or debit card, and then you get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you could earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week, and that's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app and use promo code MACCAST to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchases of $10 or more using the promo code MACCAST. And a big thank you to Upside for their support of the show. Let's get into some Mac OS tips. Hey, I ran across a few great tips from our friends at Apple Insider this week, so full credit to them. Uh, I'll link to them in the show notes at maccast.com if you want to check out their great content. But the first thing that they brought up was the new system settings in macOS Ventura. I know not everybody's favorite design. It's a little bit clunky. The fact that it's not resizable, infuriates me quite a bit and generally things are hard to find and that's where this first tip actually comes in there's a setting that many of us are probably familiar with from previous generations of mac os and that is the login items which allows you to kind of set up what gets launched when you log into your account on your mac and it was generally associated 
with your user account. But guess what? In macOS Ventura, you're not going to find this in the user and group preferences anymore under your account. Nope, it's not there. So where did it go? Well, it's now under general inside login items. So you can go in there, you'll find all of the same settings and everything. It's just in a brand new place. So I wanted to let you know about that in case you needed to know where to look. But even more, I found something interesting when I went to look in there because there's a section called Allow in Background, and that has a bunch of items, different apps that have the ability to run tasks on your Mac in the background, even when the app isn't opened. And I was looking through my list and I saw a few things and I thought, you know what? I don't think, one, I need those things in, in there anymore. And also there were a couple that I wasn't sure what they were. And I had to do a little research to verify that they should be in there. So I think this is a good section to probably go in and review from time to time, just to make sure that you're aware of everything that's in there. And you could maybe do a little bit of cleanup or a little bit of your own research and make sure, you know, there's not something that's allowed to run in the background that you don't know about. So I found some things in there that I had uninstalled previously. So I had uninstalled the app, but it was still listed uh, with permissions to kind of do things in the background. And there were a few things that I just simply forgot about. So take a look, uh, review that for yourself. Just be careful when you're disabling items in there because you could unintentionally break functionality that you do want. It's not always clear what app installed what uh, sometimes it's very clear but a great example of this is carbon copy cloner it needs to run in the background so it can do some of your backup stuff so that one maybe what you want in there but there could be other items in there that you're not uh, not wanting or don't need anymore so just take a look at that the second tip that I learned from Apple Insider this week is a focus on the Finder tip uh, for when you have a bunch of apps and windows open. So a lot of us, when we're working on our Macs throughout the day, might get a little bit cluttered. And turns out there is a keyboard plus click modifier that will automatically hide all of your open apps and windows except for the Finder. So when you need to quickly jump back into the Finder and you want to get there without any distractions, you can kind of do everything in one click. And I was not aware of this functionality at all. So when you're inside an app, you can hold down the Command and Option keys and then click anywhere on the desktop in the background. And then what will happen is every open app and window will shut down except for the Finder window. And you'll be right there in the Finder and you can kind of quickly get to everything that you want. Now, unfortunately, there is no reverse of this. So there's no keyboard plus click modifier to bring everything back. Everything is basically hidden and uh, you'll have to command tab to reopen your apps and windows. They'll all come back the way they were before you initiated this command, but you do need to reselect the app from the dock or reopen the app, basically go back to it to bring everything back and you have to go app by app. So just be aware of that. Uh, but I thought this was also a good opportunity to remind you about a couple of quick tips if you have a trackpad that you could use for expose. There's a bunch of expose trackpad gestures, generally four finger swipe gestures that could be pretty handy. Uh, you do need to have these enabled, so if you've disabled them, you might want to check. So if they're not working for you, go into your system settings under trackpad and just make sure that they're turned on. The first gesture is a four-finger gesture, actually three fingers plus your thumb. You could do a pinch out on your trackpad, a pinch out gesture with uh, those fingers, and it will expose your entire desktop. So you can go all the way back out to the desktop. Basically, all your windows fly away and uh, you have a clear view of your desktop. You could pinch in with the same fingers and it will bring everything back. Uh, if you want to do a four finger swipe up on your trackpad, it will show you all the open apps and windows that you have on your Mac and a four finger swipe down gesture will show all the open windows for your current app. So a couple quick handy uh, ways to access Expose from the trackpad. If you have an Apple keyboard with the uh, function keys, the special function keys at the top, of course, you can access your uh, your expose, expose from the keyboard as well. But a couple of quick tips 
on uh, basically getting more focus in the finder. And then the last tip that I have for you is an Apple Watch tip. This one came in because Sean emailed me. He just got a new Apple Watch Ultra, so congratulations on that. Uh, man, I'm a little bit jealous. Those things look really, really great. And I've heard from a few of you who've gotten them who are really, really enjoying them. Sean is uh, does workouts, though, with his, and he was having an issue with his weightlifting gloves, which were setting off the emergency SOS feature. And he asked, hey, is there a way to turn this off during workouts? He tried doing the whole reverse orientation thing, and the problem there was the gloves then activated the action button, which would trigger accidentally and then stop his workout. So he was also asking about the action button, and is there a way to toggle how that works. And it turns out there absolutely is, Sean, for the emergency SOS, and this would have worked for any Apple Watch, even if you don't have an action button, of course. Um, to activate emergency SOS, generally you press and hold on the uh, Apple Watch side button, right? And then it will automatically call emergency SOS services after doing a little countdown and an alarm. And if you don't want that to trigger that way, if you don't want that to happen automatically, you can actually turn off the automatic dialing feature. To do that, just open up the settings app on your watch, tap SOS, and then tap hold side button, and then turn off the hold side button option. Now, this will not completely disable the uh the emergency SOS, just the automatic dialing. If you want to do this from the Apple Watch app on your iPhone, you can open up the app, tap on My Watch, tap on Emergency SOS, and then turn off the Hold Side Button to Dial option. So this really only controls the automatic dialing. Even with the automatic dialing turn off, you turned off, you could still trigger the SOS function by holding down the side button. And then what you'll have to do is when the menu comes up, you'll have to swipe the SOS emergency call option to actually trigger the call. So the call just won't happen automatically. So that might help you out. And then if you do have an Apple Watch Ultra, you can control how the action button works, including turning it off completely from your Apple Watch app. So again, if you open up the Apple Watch app on your iPhone, you can change the action button setting to none and uh, maybe do that after you start your workout so that it doesn't turn off your workout without uh, you wanting it to. And then you could just simply change that function back when you're done with your workout and get your action button back. Because, I mean, the action button, that's one of the handy features of uh, the Apple Watch Ultra. So, Unfortunately, uh, sorry to hear that the weightlifting gloves were giving you a little bit of trouble. I was actually surprised with the, uh, the side button because the Apple Watch Ultra actually has that little protective area around the side button. But I guess, you know, weightlifting gloves probably just hits the cuff there perfectly just to be annoying. But uh, hopefully that helps you out. There are a couple quick uh, tips for Apple Watch. So here's something to know about in case you ever get a busted HomePod. I received this email from Andy who lives in Singapore. And actually, Andy has three HomePods, even though they're not available in Singapore yet. He actually picked them up when he was traveling over in the UK. And so the trouble is that one of his HomePods actually broke. It stopped working. And because they're not available in his area, there really is no way for him to get them repaired. There's no local repair services. He can't take it to Apple because, uh, again, it's totally unsupported. Now, luckily, he emailed me to say, hey, I heard Marco mention on the Accidental Tech podcast on ATP in an episode, this guy named Nick Splats, and I'll have a link to his website site in the show notes at maccast.com. But this guy runs a HomePod repair service out of Bellevue, Washington. Nick also actually posts how-to videos on how to do HomePod repair, just in case you want to DIY the stuff yourself. So you could do it for free, or you could send it over to Nick, and he will do the repair for you. Uh, Andy actually sent his uh, HomePod over to Nick, and a cool thing he did was he actually let him uh, watch the repair. They actually got online, and uh, he watched him repair his own HomePod. So that's pretty cool, too. Uh, of course, you're going to have to weigh the cost of shipping and 
the repair costs versus maybe just picking up a new home pod. But considering the fact that the original ones are no longer available, repair might be your only option. So I thought this was a great way to go and uh, something I had not heard about. I didn't even know this was something that existed, being able to get a repair outside of Apple. I would imagine that the repairs are not uh, covered under any kind of home uh, Apple Care warranty, so just be aware of that. But still a great service, and it's really cool to see that there's folks like Nick out there that are doing these sorts of things. Now, something else that Andy brought up in his email that I had asked about in the previous episode of the MacCast is we were talking about Apple's AR VR headset, and I really asked, hey, is this something that you're looking forward to? Is it something that we actually really need? I mean, is this really the next generation of technology? Is it what's going to replace our uh, computers or our iPhones? And Andy said, hey, I should watch the Apple TV Plus film Swan Swan Song, excuse me, which I have not seen. And he said, with that, you'll get a glimpse at why he believes in AR technology and it being a really transformative technology for the future. From the film, he says he can see that augmented reality is a real possibility for day-to-day practical use, especially as a potential replacement, not only for the iPhone, but he says for personal computers in general. So there must be some cool kind of sci-fi tech in there. He does mention that they feature contact lenses, which is probably going to be quite a ways off, but he could see the technology being very easily applied to just a set of glasses. He says he's not as convinced about VR technology, but he thinks that Apple could be the company that could bring augmented reality to the masses. And I have to imagine, yeah, they often have a vision that uh, other companies don't seem to have, and they really do focus on the use cases and don't release technology generally until they can kind of justify why the technology should exist in the world. So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the AR VR headset. Uh, I'm a little hesitant about, is it going to be really transformative? Is it going to be like the iPhone? But I mean, Apple's proven me wrong. I didn't think they could do a smartphone that would really change the world and look where we are now. So Andy, thank you for uh, your feedback. I really do appreciate it. Continuing our suggestions and recommendations for holiday gifts, I got a couple this week from our community. The first one came from Greg. He said we really should check out Andar Leather Cases. I will have a link to it in the show notes at maccast.com, A-N-D-A-R. And he says they make really great cases and leather products for iPhone, iPad, your laptop, They have Apple watch bands that look really cool, cases for AirPods, and a whole lot more. It looked like they had some bags and other things. Looked like really, really cool products, really well designed. Greg says they are definitely beautiful and have a great feel in your hand. I use an Apple leather case, but I was looking at some of these cases and... Hey, I might even switch. (laughs) Maybe if uh, someone's looking for a holiday gift idea for me, yeah, check out Andar uh, leather cases. So that's a great one. And thank you for sending that in Greg. And then Bob wrote in, uh, he is recommending and he said, uh, maybe this isn't as much a gift as it is a, uh, a suggestion for a really great app that I love. It's called food shiner. And, uh, it's an app that actually lets you track your food and the expiration date uh, so that you could help eliminate food waste in your life. So talk about saving some money. Basically, you enter your grocery purchases into the app along with the expiration dates for the products that you have, and the app will notify you before your food goes bad. So you can make sure that you use it up and uh, you're not wasting food. It does offer barcode scanning, so that should make the data entry easy. And Bob says, hey, once you get all of it entered in, uh, that's a lot of the bulk of the work. From that point forward, you're just entering in the new stuff that you buy. So it's not too bad in terms of keeping track of everything. He says uh, it's a really great app. I noticed it also functions as a shopping list. So you actually 
you know, obviously once you put it all in there, you know what you have on hand, you know how many of everything you have, and you know when it might actually expire, so when you might actually have to replace something. The app is totally free. It is tipware, so if you do use it and like it, please you know, tip your developers and give them a little support. And uh, another great suggestion from the community. If you have a holiday gift idea, a suggestion of an app, a piece of hardware, a piece of tech, a piece of non-tech, it doesn't even really matter. Just something that you think uh, the nerds in our lives would enjoy. Uh, Send your community gift ideas to maccast at gmail.com. You're also welcome to Give your own review if you have something that you're particularly passionate about. And I look forward to getting and sharing more of these on future episodes. And then finally for this week, I have a little impromptu thing of the moment. This came about because as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're getting ready for the holidays. We started our holiday decorating and specifically doing our out door decorations and one thing that is always challenging for me and you know we're at a new house here is all of the power and getting power out to everything i have just a couple of outdoor power outlets and a couple of them are in not so convenient locations so the idea of having to go out especially in the cold south dakota weather at night uh, to turn off my lights by unplugging them yeah, that wasn't sitting too well for me, but I didn't want to break the bank on getting some sort of digital control or app control to uh, be able to do that as well. So I went to my local big box store and was looking around and I found the Energizer Wi-Fi Outdoor Plug. Uh, it was just 10 bucks. Uh, this is the first generation version. So I think they're maybe trying to clear them out, but there's also a gen two version that costs just a little bit more, probably about 15, 20 bucks. And what this is, is it's a little plug, uh, suitable for outdoors. That is a smart home plug and you plug it in and then you have two outlets on it. Now it's not HomeKit compatible, <laughs> but it does work with Google and Alexa and it does work with Siri shortcuts. Uh, I don't use Google or Alexa, so I had to go with the shortcuts thing. Uh, that's with a caveat, though, that I'll tell you about here in a second. But basically, it gives you two power outlets. What's really cool is you can control them together or separately. So you could turn one off and leave the other one on or vice versa. And it supports all of the features that you would expect. You could set up groups. You could set up scenes. Uh you know, it really is pretty nice. You can even schedule, you know, when your devices or when your powered items would go on and off. And uh, it seems really pretty great. Now, of course, with a device or a product that's this inexpensive, there are some caveats. I mean, first and foremost, it's not HomeKit compatible. But secondly, uh while it has the Energizer name like Energizer Battery, it's actually a licensed product from a company called Gem Connected IoT. And yep, overall, you know, the hardware itself is probably cheap garbage from China. Uh, it, And I say cheap, it's pretty well made. I mean, it seems totally fine. Uh, I do worry a little bit about uh, the security and privacy behind the thing. Uh to that end, I used a throwaway email when I signed up for my account, and I didn't allow it to do things like access my location. I didn't activate notification features. I do have to connect it to my Wi-Fi, though, so hey, <laughs> maybe I should run a little bit of network monitoring software to make sure it's not sending all my information back to China. I, you know, hopefully it's okay. So just, you know, buyer beware, caveat there, but it definitely is working as advertised. It's working really, really well, and it's an inexpensive option. I, you know, I was able to get three of these for thirty bucks, and that's a really pretty good deal. I, there's a lot of cases where I could get one for thirty bucks if it was a different brand. Now, as I mentioned, the box said it will work with Siri shortcuts, 
And uh, when I first set it up, I used the app that they recommended, which is called Energizer Connect. And everything worked. I was able to connect the devices and get them set up and start setting up my seeds and all that stuff. But I could not find anywhere in the app where I could set up Siri shortcut support. And the app did not show up in Siri shortcuts. So I did a little more digging and it turned out that there was a second app that looked almost identical, actually had a little bit better UI, and it was called the Energizer Smart App. And to me, it looked like it was updated more recently, functioned exactly the same. It's from a different company, Supreme Imports Limited, which is out of the UK. The company of the other app was actually out of the US. So I think it's probably a licensing thing, but turns out the Energizer Smart app did have the functionality for adding my scenes to Siri shortcuts. So I was able to switch everything over to the other app, set up my shortcuts, and I can now control all of the switches with my voice on my iPhone, with the Apple Watch, or from my HomePods. And again, it works really, really great. Again, there were some quirks like when I first added the devices, they were given a default name that was written in Chinese and I had to override that. So be prepared for a quirky little product. But again, they worked as advertised. They were inexpensive and uh, they're going to get the job done for my holiday needs. So there you go. A thing of the moment, uh, a little bit different this time around, but you can check those out. And I'll have a link to them in the show notes at matcast.com. But with that, that is going to do it for this episode. I uh, want to mention that bandwidth for the MacCast is provided by Cashfly. You could find them at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com. And all advertising on the MacCast is handled by Backbeat Media. You could find them at backbeatmedia.com. As always, I love hearing from you. So if you have a comment, a question, something you'd like to hear covered on a future episode of the MacCast, you can send your emails and audio comments to maccast at gmail.com. You're also welcome to call in on the listener hotline. That phone number is 281-622-4269, 281-MAC-IM-9. If you need show notes, links to anything that I talked about on this or any other episode of the MacCast, you'll find those on the website. That's at maccast.com. And if you want to follow me on social media, you can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash maccast. You can check out the MacCast Facebook page over at facebook.com slash the maccast. Or find me on Instagram, just MacCast on Instagram. But with that, that is going to do it for now. Until next time, I will talk to you all again real soon.